Welcome to the Leadership Zone. I'm your host, Sheila Walsh, Leadership Development Specialist, Coach and Researcher. Welcome to the Leadership Zone. Tonight we have Olivia with us and Olivia is going to introduce herself fully and tell us a little bit about what she does. And I have some really important questions. Olivia is going to talk about something that I think is really important and that we don't always discuss when it comes to leadership, workplaces, well-being, mental health, relationships, the list could go on. So before I'm really curious now what listeners might be guessing or thinking, what are they going to talk about? Olivia, will you introduce yourself more efficiently than I did? And also a little bit about what you do before we dive in today. Oh, great. Thanks, Sheila. And thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So I am an alcohol-free mentor. So I offer guidance, support and advice to people who are looking to remove alcohol from their lives. I have extensive personal experience of giving up alcohol. I am alcohol-free for the past, coming up on six years. So I have a lot of experience in that. So I run workshops. I do one-to-one mentoring sessions and And I do group mentoring programs for anybody who wants to remove alcohol from their lives. So they could be, I've worked from people all the way from 21 up to 70 years of age, male and female, who are just in the process of assessing alcohol, how it is impacting their life and just offering them tips, techniques, connection, support and accountability when they want to remove alcohol. That's so interesting. So can I check when you're saying remove alcohol, is it just people who have a problem with alcohol or is it people who are just finding it difficult to remove alcohol? So I come under the category of a gray area drinker. So that's the pattern in which I drank. So I never felt that I was addicted to alcohol. So but it was causing a lot of problems, personal problems in my life in my own head if that makes sense so in with my levels of productivity with my mood with my levels of energy i just felt that it wasn't serving me in my 30s as the way it was let's say in my late teens early 20s so process of kind of removing it because it just wasn't doing what it used to do and i find now because i talk a lot about being a gray area drinker and a lot of people that resonates with a lot of people so they come to me at that point they don't have a problem they in terms of like alcohol use disorder they are not physically addicted to it they don't feel that it is causing like catastrophic rock bottom type problems in their life but they have this inkling like it's an inner knowing you know that maybe I am better off without it and it is a process that has started years before they come into contact with me but they're listening to a voice within them you know that's constantly giving them little clues and little messages that alcohol has served its purpose and then we go about a process of them assessing the relationship With alcohol, they look at habits that they formed, beliefs that they have, attitudes. They look at their environment, who they are drinking for, because a lot of people are drinking for other people or for their friends or because they've set up this social circle in which they drink a lot or they might have work events or, you know, it's we live in a very alcohol centric culture. So alcohol is everywhere we go. It's advertised on TV. It's on TV shows. It is, this is often said in this area, you know, it's the only drug in the world that we have to justify taking. People assume that you have a problem with it if you decide to give it up. So yeah, it's a very, very tricky situation to untangle from because everyone has an opinion. 
and I suppose we live in a culture where we're synonymous with a lot of drinking and a really vibrant pub scene and we're great crack in Ireland and but I think it's now we're definitely in a wave of kind of sober curiosity and there's definitely a mm-hmm. shift in the cultural consciousness where a lot of people are kind of sitting down and assessing their life and looking at well I actually don't feel my best when I have two glasses of wine or one leads to five and then I'm you know not as reliable the next morning to meet my friends for hikes or to be as prepared as I can for that meeting or it's kind of it has been the elephant in the room for a long time Mm. and I think people are just kind of slowly kind of waking up and there's been a glut of research and from lots of different places and you know last year the world health organization came out and said that there's no safe level of alcohol from a cancer point of view i'm not sure a lot of people know this but it's actually a group one carcinogen so it's as on the same level as asbestos and smoking Mm. and radiation but it's less well known as that so a lot of health harms are associated with it that that's getting more and more coverage in the media and i know this haven't been around for a couple of dry Januaries doing this work I think this is definitely the most I suppose well publicized dry January now that mm. a lot of people there's actually one in two people partaking in it in Ireland this January so it's very very popular. Mm. It's so interesting because I'm thinking about the listeners and my clients so there's a couple of things one is alcohol is associated with them socializing so you go to a ball or you go for dinner with your peers or you, you know, attend a networking event and there's alcohol served and alcohol becomes this kind of a hand in hand thing with business, especially what I found is the more senior people are, it gets reintroduced almost. So from the junior people who go out on the Friday night or the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe go midway through your career, there might be a little less of that. And then again, the more senior you become, the more alcohol is reintroduced. And not just in Ireland, but I do think that because of our relationship with alcohol, it can be tricky. And then the other thing is when people say they don't want to drink. So the amount of people I've heard say, if I don't want to drink, people don't trust me. I've had people come up and say that to friends of mine. You know, what are you up to that you won't have a drink sitting there judging us? And they're like, I'm not the one, I'm I just not drinking that alcohol. Like, I'm, it's not a judgment. But then there's also these assumptions. So if women aren't drinking, they're assumed to be pregnant. And then if people aren't drinking, it's questions like, are you in recovery, i.e. the only reason not to drink is if you are a problematic drinker or you must be on antibiotics, that that there's this assumption that one wouldn't choose to not engage with alcohol for their own reasons that fall outside of medical addiction needs. And I think that, like you said, the culture piece, it's something really important to think about. When I think about the ways people I work with and colleagues and friends drink, there's a spectrum there's the person who has a drink once a year or somebody who doesn't drink at all to somebody who has a drink once a year to somebody who doesn't drink a lot but gets blotted when they do drink to somebody who drinks frequently but very little you know there's all different styles but one of the things I do know is that alcohol helps relieve the pressure in the moment for people to relax especially in you know high anxiety high pressure high stress overdrive nervous systems and I know that Whenever I meet anyone who doesn't have an alcohol problem and they're using alcohol as a coping strategy around work specifically, it's often because they can't get their nervous system down. They can't get relief in a different way. And also your point about their closest, their circles have been designed around alcohol use or alcohol misuse. 
So what's your sense about alternatives for people to think about if actually alcohol might not be a problem, but it might be the only way you've currently been able to decompress from the stresses of work and life? What kind of things do you talk to people about in relation to that? So, well, first of all, I always try and promote that people take a break from it. So even if that's over the summer months when work kind of dies down so that there might be kind of less pressure, you know, so people might have holidays. So in the Western world, we very rarely take enough time away from alcohol to actually really see the benefits of it. So there's always a christening or there's always a, you know, even personally, there's always personal events that we have to drink at. There's also a lot of work events that we have to drink at. So I would definitely advise people to take a good prolonged time off, like 30 days, preferably like 100 days. And then you begin to have clues. So you begin to see, you can then kind of be your own little detective and look at ways in which you use alcohol. So you're able to kind of notice patterns and see if you use it as a crutch. You know, you mentioned there like networking events, like a lot of people get the gin and tonic that's poured. Obviously, there's a lot of free alcohol at these events and it's more common than it's not to say yes to those type of things but it's really what I uh, promote is that people spend time journaling how they feel they might do some meditation practices that they might engage in some kind of dopamine boosting exercise sessions so they still get that high but they also get that kind of relief or release there that so maybe they're better able to kind of cope and deal with the, the big kind of stresses as well relaxation techniques mindfulness maybe some meditation music that kind of thing and regular exercise okay so they're really helpful and i think the examples you're giving are helpful because they're things people can choose to do i suppose in terms of the social circle, so one of the things that I think becomes more and more evident as we age, but also as we kind of mature in our careers is that our social circles do tend to shift or adapt, even if the behavior doesn't. So we might find that we spend more time with a certain group. When we're with another group, we do what we used to always do. And if that involved drinking or clubbing or whatever it does, it can often continue to involve that. What are the kind of things that you, the kind of maybe reflective questions or or things for people to consider if their circles and their networks and their connections are predominantly engaged with through alcohol. And now there is a feeling of losing those connections by not drinking any longer. And there feels like there might be some relational risk involved. What are the kind of things that you talk to people about around that? So we look at goals and, and vision. So we, we do a lot of visualization exercises. So when we look at that, we look at like, who do you want to become? So what are the qualities that you want to embody? And, you know, if you have a set of goals that you're willing to work towards, you have to be able to put yourself first. So I always say to people, you are the captain of your own ship. Like ultimately you make the decisions about your life, your health, how you want to go forward, what goals you want to achieve. And, you know, we always have, I always say to people, you know, spot the ringleader. So point the finger at them, the person who can kind of bend your rubber arm all the time and just be prepared. And it, it would be good to have conversations with the people. You know, I think it really resonated with me when you said earlier that people say things like, I don't trust people who don't drink. Mm. 
very common. I have heard that so many times because the word sober is associated with boring people, people who ruin other people's fun, you know, and that's a projection of how people feel about themselves. So I think it's definitely a journey of discovery and that you have to be committed to yourself and be selfish in a way in that you have to put your own needs first. Now, it'll take a little bit of a little bit of time and a little bit of detective work to get your goals and your vision clear. But I think it's a really, really good. So of all the people that I've worked with, so I work with people from, like I said, all age ranges, males and females. I work with teachers and HR directors. I've worked with business owners, entrepreneurs, social workers, doctors, you name it, I've worked with them. And they ultimately, they have to make these decisions based on, they know coming to me that they're kind of ready, that they're in Mm -hmm. that, they're ready for change. So it just takes a little bit of motivation, a little bit of encouragement, some tools, some affirmations, you know, from that point of view, we kind of do a lot of journaling. They untangle a lot of their own um, beliefs and attitudes and work from there, you know. Okay, that's really interesting. And I think that mistrust of people who don't drink is quite prevalent. I haven't just heard that from one person. I've heard that from loads of people. They'd prefer you were sick, pregnant, or you know what I mean? Or like something than not to be drinking at the time. And I suppose it often brings up for me, especially in Ireland and even UK culture as well, about how alcohol allows us to connect. So in most events, like you said, the social events, there's alcohol isn't just the same as the food that you get. So like events will have, oh, a selection of five canapes, but the alcohol will be thought about and will be just like, there's a, a ritual to alcohol, what's being drunk, what's not being drunk. I'm curious about what your senses of things like mocktails and alcohol-free beers, what's your sense of those things? Yeah, anything that helps. So, you know, a lot of the people that I work with find that they need something. They need something to kind of help them. Absolutely. I was never a fan of beer, so I don't drink non-alcoholic beers, but I love a mocktail. I love something fizzy. I heard somebody recently say, keep the ritual. Like if people are used to maybe having something at home on a Friday night, keep ritual, just change the ingredients. If they're used to going out for drinks after work, the amount of mocktails, alcohol-free options that are available now are just it's enormous even to when I gave up drinking five years ago there's definitely a lot more for people to choose from nowadays than there was in the recent past you know but they're great and there's a huge the sales of all of those have gone up wildly and there's lots of places opening up at the minute there's an alcohol-free bar after opening up a yes couple of weeks I can't ago. wait to yeah. go to that yeah. yeah absolutely and it's full every night of the week so like if it's full every night of the week it's not just me harping on mm-hmm. about it that it is a cultural change it absolutely is you know so and I, I said before we started recording that I haven't drunk in I can't remember how long and it's something that when I was younger, I stopped drinking for a period of time on purpose. And then it's something that kind of became my norm for different reasons, not any big effort. But one of the things that I've always been astounded by and not able to explain were the benefits of not drinking. So it's easy to assume if someone doesn't drink, you know, that there is an anti-alcohol. But I think, you know, I don't know what age everyone else was when they started drinking, but I was very young and uh, I didn't know what I was missing out on in terms of by drinking because you didn't, like you said, 30 days a while ago, I didn't have seven days without a drink from a very, like not very young age, but definitely not 18 because it was part of the culture 
in which I was working and engaging. What are the kind of benefits that you find people are talking about or find really notable that help kind of with their life and their work that they hadn't really considered alcohol related to? Yeah, so one of the very first ones is sleep. So within a couple of days of giving up alcohol, their sleep is so much better. So they feel more rested, more at peace. A lot of people report that they're a lot more joyful, chirpier, better to be around. A really, really significant one is the the clarity. So the clarity that comes with not drinking. So they don't wake up with the grogginess. They're definitely more productive, more efficient, more grounded, definitely more authentic focused just more excited about being alive and joyful and no clouded judgment so I think definitely it's my life so I can definitely say that my life has improved about a million percent Mm -hmm. since I gave up alcohol there's a confidence and a there's an ability within me that I don't think I would ever have uncovered had it not be for me giving up alcohol. So I had all of this potential and not that I was at rock bottom. You know, I, I have a great job. I love what I do. I always have. I was never in danger of, you know, losing everything, you know, and I think that's a real misconception mm-hmm. that you have to reach rock bottom to give up alcohol. You absolutely don't. But the way in which my life has improved, there is absolutely no comparison. I'm really thriving. Like I was always a kind of positive person, but now I'm just like positive on steroids, you know, just all my relationships are better, especially the one I have with myself. So, you know, that kind of trust, the mistrust that I had, you know, if I woke up with a hangover, I might be the first one to send a text to say, listen, I'm not going to make that, you know, social date today. So can we reschedule or whatever? But there's none of that. So I've got a real sense of integrity. And a lot of people report that as well. Their life is so much more fulfilling. You know, and maybe that's a kind of a a thing that, you know, the majority of people that I work with are kind of anywhere between 35 and 50. Um, And maybe that's a midlife thing. But to be honest with you, I think it's just that they found a whole new lease on life. They have another word that they express a lot is freedom. So they don't have to be kind of doing mental maths about how am I going to go home and will I get a taxi and how is this, how am I going to get from A to B? Like life just seems a lot easier. Well, I can drive or, you know, it just, it it removes a lot of the layers and the complexities and, you know, enhances their life in no end. I always say to people, you will never hear a person who has given up alcohol saying they regret it. They don't. Nobody regrets it. It's because they gain so much from it. You know, it's a really expansive, connected, authentic way to live your life when you don't have alcohol in it. You know, it's really funny because when you're saying that, I'm thinking about nine or 10 years ago, I was working with men in recovery from addiction. So alcohol was part of that. And that was kind of my introduction to what life looks like without alcohol in the sense that anyone I knew that wasn't drinking had usually had a problem with alcohol and I grew up in a home where like they're they're not really drinkers so I didn't really see a lot of that but when what I didn't see either was what life looked like where alcohol wasn't ever in the equation so when I started working with these young men and then there was different social circles I um, was in and I married someone who doesn't drink at all I did not know what you could do in life like and I'm not even talking about like success or anything I mean on a Thursday night, you can go to this event. On a Tuesday night, you go to that event. One minute you're making pottery, the next minute you're throwing axes. The next minute you're going to an art gallery, then you're going to a club. 
you're leaving the club completely sober and being able to go to work the next day more trips abroad I think that was kind of a clincher for me in my life was when I realized how much more I could see of the world because of well my world wasn't revolving around alcohol or social circles that revolved around alcohol and I'm not at all anti-alcohol I, I make my own choices for me but I suppose when you've worked with people in recovery from addiction when you are aware of alcoholism when my life was around socially like I, I was a very big drinker like I could drink anyone under the table and I love alcohol that's the irony like I love a good whiskey like these are the things I love but there is a significant difference between the things I do now and the social circles that I'm in now and what they access in the world versus every time I go out with friends we were automatically going to just go to a pub or a club and have a few drinks whereas when about nine years ago when I started working with people in recovery the world of social life just opened up in a way that I had never seen growing up, didn't see going to college. And I was actually shocked, A, that most of these people were sober, like long-term sober, but also that they weren't drunk right now in this moment while they did whatever they did, like the wild things and had fun, but also the amount of cool things they were doing with their lives that I didn't even know you could access in your area or in your community, or, you know, they even existed because actually you don't think about anything else unless you do a sport or you're you know you do one hobby if you're drinking usually like drinking it takes up your time whatever you're doing and then that hobby but when you're not drinking your social life tends to expand at least that's what I found and I think that that's really interesting because when you're talking about potential there is like potential at work and stuff and like you said the research says it I don't want to harp on the research tells us I want someone at top performance they need to not be drinking, whether they're a sports person or a senior leader or negotiating. You need a, a very clear blood <laughs> bloodline for a period of days to be at your optimal decision-making. But beyond that, personally, we make better decisions when we're sober, but also yeah. you're more likely to be creative about the choices you make about your life rather than just going, oh yeah, well, Saturday night, we're going to the pub, so I don't have to think about anything. And then four years later, you're in the same pub on the same Saturday night with the same people and you may not be having a new experience even though you've had four years of you know going out each weekend so so I think there's something about the quality of life having to think about things besides just where you want to go for a drink is a really valuable thing absolutely it opens up so much even things like alcohol and your microbiome and what it does there and where do we get our inclinations or our gut feelings or you know our intuition For me, it's been an incredibly spiritual journey. You know, I've accessed things that I never would have accessed. And so even being able to rely on my gut and I've really honed that kind of inner confidence and trust in myself and I'm able to make decisions more clearly. And again, not just about work, but I'm just so much more happy and content and at peace. And like, ultimately, what do we all want in life? We want to be happy. And we want to have peace in our life and not to worry. And it's funny, you know, at the beginning, we said that alcohol, people kind of de-stress from it, but actually it causes a lot more stress in in, in terms of uh, cortisol production and stuff like that as the time goes on. So, you know, yeah, I think your world definitely expands and people don't realize that, you know, you get up at five o'clock in the morning and go for a hike to watch the sunrise and then the sunrise becomes the most incredible thing that you will see that day so I often say like you don't have the excruciating high highs of like an incredibly connected wild night out 
they're few and far between in midlife anyway mm. but you, you don't have the crushingly low lows as you come down from that experience either the life just takes on this kind of magnificently ordinary joy that is so fulfilling and that's all that we really want at the end and just I want to say that I am not anti-alcohol my husband drinks a lot of my friends drink they're becoming less and less now as the years roll on but like I loved alcohol as well mm. I loved red wine I will still smell red wine and it will bring me back to places where I've had a lot of joy you know what it is it's personal responsibility mm. we're all autonomous beautiful beings we can make these things up for ourselves but as long as people are informed they have all the latest research they know all the health harms they know how it's affecting their life they can make the decision whether or not I'm not going to say to anybody like you need to do this you need to do that it's ultimately you make the decisions in your own life it's just I'm here to say that it was much better for me and all the people that I work with it's much better for them so why not give it a try you know Mm, that's really lovely and I think what you're talking about about those highs and lows is really interesting because just even chemically you know alcohol is a depressant and a lot of people utilize it to manage depression or depressing depending on on your theory around it but one of the things that I think is really important that I used to have words for but was how satisfying the ordinary and you you framed it in a slightly different way actually can be that the need for extreme ups and downs are less now just because obviously inclusion is my thing so just on a note on that we do know the research tells us that people with undiagnosed ADHD or unmedicated ADHD or unmanageable ADHD use alcohol quite a bit and and sometimes misuse it and we know that people with different neurological conditions use alcohol in different ways and I think what's important what comes to mind for me to remember that everybody is different and there's different interactions but the point that I think is really important is if alcohol is somehow stabilizing us we deserve to be stabilized that is accurate and there might be better ways to do it I think that's a really nice way to kind of say do as you will but know that your desire to be stabilized or to get relief is totally valid but maybe you haven't been resourced with multiple ways to do that and rather than maybe starting with giving up alcohol maybe the start is to resource these things to decide if a life without alcohol is is helpful or a period of time without alcohol yeah i am a highly sensitive person so i only realized this in the last few years and i drank because i was highly sensitive And I'm highly sensitive to energies. I'm highly sensitive to environments. I'm highly emotional, but also I had a social anxiety for a lot of my teenage years. So I drank to quell the inner critic who was very, very vocal. And looking back now, I've had to do a lot of work on that. So kind of building self-awareness around it and utilizing kind of those kind of grounding coping strategies that I have. And it's lovely because, you know, I'm in my 40s now, but had I known these things about me in my teens and 20s, I think I would have been more equipped. I think there's a lot more research and it's a lot more talked about and people have access to a lot more things, even in primary and secondary schools. It's Mm. a lot more inclusive and there's a lot more focus on difference. And that ultimately we're all very different. We're all biologically individual as well. So how we interpret things and how we express ourselves and how we see the world is all different as well. But I suppose now it's a lot of young people don't actually drink the way that kids in the 90s did. And, you know, so it's definitely a shifting culture and it'll be interesting to see where it goes in the next 10, 15 years and where we'll end up. So I have a couple of questions to ask before we finish, but just one point, because 
if anybody's listening and you're thinking, oh, I could never do that, it's probably a sign that you need to consider it. And if you're listening and you're saying, oh yeah, I could do that, no problem. The easier this episode is to listen to, probably the less beneficial it is, if I'm honest about it, because it's our resistance to this kind of conversation or this way of thinking that is probably going to indicate a need that you have. But I also want to acknowledge if alcohol is a big part of your life, the parts it meets are valid, but it may need other ways of being met because it may not be working for you. Like I know relationally as well, just generally relationships seem to really improve when people are able to be more regulated. And for instance, drinking alcohol dysregulates everything for us, even if we're not uh, difficult. So let me ask you a couple of questions, Olivia, if that's okay. So the first question is, does anyone come to mind when I ask you about an example of like a great leader? So I really love Brene Brown. Um, I love her communication style. I love her vulnerability. I love the work that she has done. I also love the fact that Brene does not drink. Mm. <laughs> and one of my favorite things and I, that Brene says is that sobriety is not a limitation, that it is a superpower. And I have definitely found that in the last few years of my life, that it, as, it isn't something that limits me in any way. In fact, it has brought out this incredible power within me that I never thought I had. And it has worked at removing loads of layers of, you know, those kind of base level human emotions like guilt and shame and regret. And I would never have done any of this work had I still been drinking alcohol and, you know, a slave to that Friday night bottle of wine that was that I thought was relieving me, but was actually kind of holding me back. So Mm. Renee is is the girl for me. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. And then just one more. And. Is there a quote that you love or you live by or you find really supports you that you think listeners and leaders might be able to take something from as well? Yeah. So what I frequently say is you don't have to reach a rock bottom to give up alcohol. So you don't what we thought for years that you need to be that kind of a street drinker or somebody who has lost everything. They have lost their home and their children and their driver's license and nobody wants to bother with them anymore. That's not the case. You don't have to be there to give up alcohol. You just have to be somebody who is maybe even a curiosity around it. So my advice would be just follow that curiosity, follow what your life is trying to tell you and and just give it a little chance and, and see where you end up. Excellent. Thank you. I really appreciate that. If anyone wants to get in contact with you, I'll put the details below, but will you just share them with them now while they're listening? Yeah, so I am most active on Instagram. I have an Instagram account called at Grey Area Drinker and my website is www.greyareadrinker.ie. That's fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Leadership Zone. We can continue this conversation over on Twitter and my Twitter handle is at Sheila Walsh one or at LinkedIn, you'll find me under Sheila Walsh. To book a free consultation to discuss your leadership needs or the leadership development needs of your organization, simply visit my website, www.sheilawalsh.com and book a free leadership consultation. I look forward to hearing from you.